your it's house. the third space model yeah. where it's like, it's not, you know, you're not being pushed out. It's not a sports bar. It's not a restaurant. You're just there to hang out. It's not a coffee shop either. You're just also having like a, like pub style. Exactly. Yeah. Or common house or where all mm-hmm. those different yeah. words. Right. And so I just, the, the community, we wanted to make a space where we would want to hang out, you know? And like BBC downtown was like that. Cumberland was kind of like that. Um, we used to go for the $2 pints on Tuesday and four dollar growler fill or five dollar growler fills on Thursdays or whatever the heck that was. You know, yeah. God. Uh, yeah. yeah. Scott Likens filled a whole bunch of five dollar growlers for me. I'm sure he hated that. Like dollar wings <laughs> and shit. Like it was a hang. Oh man, hang on. Let me date myself. BBC uh downtown theater square. Yeah. When I was in college, two dollar pints, quarter wings. Oh, those are the days. Man. I'd be a rich man. Those are the days. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember when wings went to like 50 cents a wing on wing night. And I was like, you gotta be oh. kidding. <laughs> Who's got this kind of money for wings? and welcome to another exciting episode of Kentucky Commons Radio Hour. I'm joined by one John Renee, meow, and Michael Moeller. Hello. And tonight we're joined by a special guest, Vince Kane, founder of Right Mind Growth Consulting. Hello. As always, we're at Burgrass Homebrew Supply in Louisville, Kentucky. If you're interested in homebrewing or checking out anything that involves brewing, invite you to stop I get a, I get a plug this week? What the hell is up with that? Yeah, you get a plug. All right, plug. all right. You get a plug. Um, if you're interested in brewing or have any knowledge of brewing, come by Progress Homebrew Supply. This is where we film everything. You can see the studio and set. And if you want to see it from afar, you can watch it on our YouTube channel. We'd love for you to subscribe, give a like, rate. Um, tell us if we're bad. We're not. But <laughs> get in the comments. <laughs> get, get in them comments. Thanks, Michael. Uh, we're going to start to show off the same way we start every show off by criticizing John's shirt. Um, we've recently took a trip to Asheville. Did you buy that shirt at Sierra Nevada? Well, I've actually is- had this for like 15 years and mm-hmm. I guess it shrank a lot. It, doesn't, it used to be kind of baggy on me. I don't know what's going on. You're wearing a, a vintage Sierra Nevada Brewing Company and it just says Pale Ale Porter and Stout, which yeah. uh, by today's definitions would be three completely different things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was like their lineup back in the day. Good old days. Uh, that's a cool shirt. I yeah. like that shirt a lot. Yeah. Very, very old. I had this for freaking cool. ever. I got it at Goodwill, like in high school or some shit. Yeah, You're buying college. beer shirts at Goodwill in high school. That's a great find. Yeah. Yeah. Great pull. Um, just kidding. We're going to start the show off the way we do every show with a beer to share. Um, if you're listening for a little while, uh, we just recently interviewed Dissolver Brewing out of Asheville, and they sent us home with lots of goodies. Um, this beer happens to be from Dissolver and Atrium Brewing as a collab, and it's actually not a beer. It's a hard seltzer. So, I Michael, love seltzers. Vince, I can't wait for you guys to try this. I, Michael Moeller, want to go on record <laughs> and say how much I, I love seltzers. This is the uh, Go-Go Lassie. It's a mango lassie smoothie hard seltzer, mango, yogurt, coconut, cardamom. So I put the IPA in the fridge and you're like, no, no, no. I'm pulling out the smoothie beer. <laughs> that's what that's called pulling a Saturday. I there's think. there's chunks. In yeah. This. All right. All right. I'm here for it. Yeah. Like, I could not have more good things to say about the Dissolver guys. They were very hospitable to us when we were down there. Uh, really good podcast episode with them. If you guys go back and listen to it and uh excellent beer my favorite part was when they just like uh randomly pulled out the like shrek mask 
that like looked like it was involved in some kind of like fetish activity at some point. Uh, <laughs> it had seen, that thing had seen a lot. It did the thousand yard stare. We're going to post a picture of the Shrek mask because yes. I have it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, and were they the ones doing Shrektoberfest? They are doing yeah. Shrektoberfest so, this year. I'm here for it. And the beer's really good too. Look at the uh, freaking, I don't know, what, what would you even call that? Certainly not lacing. <laughs> like uh, it's a chunk. It's pulp? a smoothie beer. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It's, the pulp, yeah. yeah. It's labeled appropriately a smoothie beer. 6%. Uh, one pint. The artwork on this is phenomenal. It's a smell, man. Mm-hmm. Whoa. It's like a little bit of like a graffiti S5. And then you have this like really cool, like Stone Cold Steve Austin, like skull in here. I dig it. Yeah, the aroma is big and punchy. Pineapple. <sighs> Sweet. The cardamom is like what's throwing me for a loop is that it has that like spice on it mm-hmm. to go along with all the sweetness in it. You're right. See, I don't smell cardamom that often on its own, but I think I, I think I pick up what you're throwing down there. I feel like I taste strangely because I like cardamom is going to my yeah, head. What's it taste like? I'm like, ah, uh, it's uh, uh, cardamom. Like, <laughs> it, it, honest, it reminds me a lot. Uh, have you all ever had tapache? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's it that the like the pineapple and I think the herbalness. Um, yeah. I for a seltzer. Mm-hmm. It's strange to, to like, I would never, it's really good. It's really, really good. But like, it, it doesn't hit me as seltzer. I think it's is a, that also how they marketed it. Oh, as a seltzer. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I'm I with you. I would have just thought it was a smoothie. Hazy. I think it's cause it's not clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I, I actually really like. I will give like points for transparency. Um, this is like a seltzer FMB, but also not beer. I mean, like, it's not the best thing ever when you kind of like dose these things to oblivion and then you're like, it's beer. And you're like, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's maybe not like. Right. Yeah. You know, they're dissolving those lines between styles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so are those still like $22 four packs or what? How does this, oh, yeah. how does this work? Uh, these were $0 four oh, packs. I love that. You Market stole value. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We stole them all. Market value probably around 20 bucks, I would say. Yeah. But right. worth every penny in my opinion. Totally. With street value. Uh, so I have like a only cans where you can get them for like 45 bucks. Yeah, that, you know? that, that's really yeah, not too That's bad. a respectable profit margin. I'm not trying to gouge anybody here. Mybeercollectibles.com. Yeah. yeah. Is reselling bottles still a thing? Does that still happen? NBC? I hope not, but I'm sure it oh. is. You remember when duck racing was a thing? Everybody was doing those duck races to like try to win beer. Yeah. Wait, no. There's an old video about that, too. Yeah. It was supposed to be taught to do, help kids do statistics in like elementary school. The beer? But then this like little yeah, website. What are we talking about? It's OK. All right. All right. You, you give small children beer and yeah, it helps yeah. them in math. Yeah. yeah it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. a website called just duckracing.com or something. And it just lines up all these little ducks and it makes them race. And the idea is that you just track who wins and then you can get a statistical graph going to be like, so this one won this many times. Here's a graph of how many people won. I do beer nerds just started no, using no, it they to gamble beer. That to like gamble with beer it was for children you pick a number and if your duck wins then then you win that beer that's like a fair game too right like that's been around yeah Yeah. i do remember this i had a friend that did uh the razzles and stuff all the time um and i don't know how i avoided that i I, I was like i I did like i was deep in the like gotta go get my dark lord allotment and everything else (laughs) yeah totally and i still have two dozen dark lord bottles i've lost hundreds if not thousands of dollars on duck races <laughs> yeah i know you have and you've gotta, won, but you've won like two barley wines so totally worth it yeah, i mean somebody's got to win at some point oh, we're talking about like the old school shit like dark lord day and all those all the ways beer used to be back in the day uh we're all some we're all some old 
old beer, old gnarled beer men around here. Vince, you're one of us. You've been uh, in and around Louisville beer for about as long as anybody that I can think of. One of us. One of us. <laughs> and just as an introduction to the audience, we'll certainly talk about uh, Right Mind and kind of just what your you know path has been like with entrepreneurship and small businesses and stuff in general. But you kind of got your feet in the game uh, in the beer world. Um, Great Flood, one of our favorite breweries around town uh, on Bartown Road, Douglas Loop, and then also at Middletown now. Uh, excellent, excellent company. You were the, one of the founders of that company along with two other partners. That is correct. Yeah. Back in uh, 2013, we established that business 10 years ago already. That's nuts, man. Yes. I was graduating high school Shut and up, reading David. articles in the paper about Great Flood, well, and there's a picture of like little Vince like in there. <laughs> very upsetting that you're saying that right now. Okay. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that man, it was, um, it was such a cool experience. You want to get into it? You want to? Yeah. Uh, and I mean, actually even too, just to start like this, cause I know that you guys, we talked a little bit about it, but the story of your all's opening is interesting too. You guys started kind of planning it while you were still in business school, right? Yeah, we, we were discussing it. You know, we had, um, we had written some business plans. I actually helped to start a, a small construction company when I was in college and wrote the business plan. And I went through the entrepreneurship program at U of L and learned how to write business plans, so to speak. Fantastic program. I also went through the business school at U of L and the entrepreneur entrepreneurship program is the only other one that I would have chosen other than my major. It's, it's a great program, great people. And you get to get some experiences that you wouldn't otherwise get. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, we felt a little bit empowered to write a business plan and just kind of said, you know, we'll just give this a shot and we'll go until someone says no. And unfortunately no one, no one said no <laughs> loud enough. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, no, it was, it was fantastic. We, 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 uh, we hit a whole bunch of luck in a row. Um, we, we built everything, you know, just like, just like your shop, I'm assuming we bootstrapped everything. Uh, we built that, uh, direct heating element, uh, two barrel system, um, built the, <laughs> built, built the box, built, built all the fermenters out of plastic and, and bent steel. And, you know, it, 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 it's, it was very authentic. It was very us. And, um, man, it was, a, it was a struggle, but we, you know, we got lucky. We, we, uh, the guy who owned our biz, our, uh, building there on Barstown road at Douglas loop, um, his name's Nardi. He, he owns uh Patrick's on, on Frankfurt. Nice. And we're like, Hey man. So like I, at that time I'm like 24 and I was the oldest of the three of us. And we're like, Hey Nardi, man, we're gonna, we're gonna start a brewery here. What do you think? He's like, I opened a bar when I was like 20. You guys can do it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, great. That's that's easy. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, then you got to jump through all the hoops of opening a brewery, which was a whole heck of a lot more difficult back then. Yeah, you I, didn't uh, have any of the resources that are around today. Like, I think that even probably predated or just about dated when the guild started getting really up and running. I remember having guild meetings with like six or seven people in the back of ATG or in the back of BBC back in the day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, God bless Adam and, and John and all those folks for keeping it alive. But yeah, it was not what it is today. That's for sure. Do you remember just, you know, obviously we're not going to uh, take you through like a cash flow statement or anything, but do you remember <laughs> just generally what your all's kind of uh, proposition was around the business model? Like if you were to have to give an elevator pitch to an investor group or whatever, just kind of how what you guys uh, viewed as your kind of ethos or what you've, what you've viewed as the spirit of great flood? Yeah. So um, I, I guess I got to start with a like, you know, just a bit of a story. You know, um, we, we started homebrewing in 2012 just because we wanted to see if we could, you know. And, I remember um, seeing Matt in the homebrew shop yeah, all the time. Yeah. And, um, you know, just wanted to see if we could. We jumped quickly from from extract to, to grain and, you know, just just kind of enjoyed it. Jumped from bottling to kegging real, real fast and put a couple things in the fair and it got some really good reviews. You know, everyone 
everyone has one or two folks who say yeah, you make great beer and then every, you go start a brewery, right? <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so the, the thought for me was community. Um, there were some places around town, there still are some places around town to get some great beer, like world-class beer in this town. It's hard to get really great beer at a reasonable, approachable price, or at least it was 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and my thought, and it also, they just there wasn't a lot of places where folks in their early 20s could hang out that wasn't a restaurant. You know, I know that sounds kind of simple, but like I want to go somewhere where no one's trying to turn my table over and I can just sit and hang out, have a couple of beers at my pace and just be there just to build, you know, the, the classic uh, it's um, a, the, it's house. the third space model yeah. where it's like it's not, you know, you're not being pushed out. It's not a sports bar. It's not a restaurant. You're just there to hang out. It's not a coffee shop either. You're just also having like, a, like pub style. Exactly. Yeah. Or common house or all mm-hmm. those different yeah. words. Right. And so I just the, the community we wanted to make a space where we would want to hang out. You know, and like BBC downtown was like that. Cumberland was kind of like that. Um, we used to go for the $2 pints on Tuesday and $4 growler fill or $5 growler fills on Thursdays or whatever the heck that was. You oh know, yeah. God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Scott Likens filled a whole bunch of $5 growlers for me. I'm sure he hated that. Like dollar wings <laughs> and shit. Like it was a hang. Oh, man. Hang on. Let me date myself. BBC uh, downtown theater square. Yeah. When I was in college, $2 pints, quarter wings. Oh, those are the days, man. I'd be a rich man. Those are the days. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember when wings went to like 50 cents a wing on wing night, and I was like, you gotta be kidding. <laughs> Who's got this kind of money for wings? <laughs> Michael, don't date yourself like that. Yeah. Now it's like $4 for a jumbo smoked <laughs> wing or some shit. You're like, please. Yeah. That's the way it goes. But but that was part of the ethos. The other part was, you know, um, again, not to make it all about money, but um, we wanted to have... I uh, wanted to be approachable. You want, I wanted you to be able, anyone to be able to spend 20 bucks and have, have a variety of beers and enjoy themselves. And, um, and then also have something for everyone. You know, um, I, we made, we made some funky beers. Um, we sold <laughs> tons and tons of different beers, but we always had something for that person who said, what, what's the Bud Light you've got, you know? Um, and I wanted to make sure that anytime anyone came in from whatever perspective they came from, we could find something that would bring them in and not, not push them away mm-hmm. and that was that was kind of it for me and i i think we did that for several years there so i think so too um, and you're really early in adopting that culture that i think breweries today still strive for yeah i you know that um like the mug club that was yeah uh, just still one of my favorite things ever man i some of the stuff i brought for show and tell is, is from that but like nothing beats going into your your own brewery like that and knowing on a given day of the week which of your regulars is going to be sitting there and where you left off that conversation and, and, and what, what questions you're going to ask them. You know what they're drinking. You know, it's just it's just that camaraderie. And then, you know, we did these trivia nights that we ended up having 20, 30 teams of these trivia nights and we knew who they were all going to be. And it just felt like a big uh, just felt like a big family. I mean, yes, it's a business, but that all kind of felt secondary. And we were trying to work out the timeline a little bit earlier. Uh, so BBC obviously has been around forever. And there was a few uh, Louisville breweries, obviously, that I mean, Louisville has a huge vast uh, history of breweries that opened and closed. But the first one that kind of is still around that was there back then was BBC. And then Against the Grain and Apocalypse opened um, 20... They just celebrated 10 years. So that would have been like 2012, 2013 was Against the Grain, I feel like, somewhere in that ballpark. And then you guys opened 2014, you said. There's nobody else been between... uh, That I can think of between like the ATG Apocalypse and then you guys. You guys were kind of the first of like the new 
generation, especially since you guys are so young. Uh, when you open it, like Santa Cruz is already old as fuck when he opened uh, <laughs> against the grain, old man, and like whatever. Leah's for eternally young, so that doesn't count. But uh, yeah, I, I remember being super excited when you guys were opening, just because it did feel like you know it was kind of going to be a new wave. And then you started hearing like you know Rick started making plans for Akasha. Mm-hmm. Um, what were what were the next couple of ones that opened up around town? So you said third turn, third turn, yeah, would have been right around. Um, third then. turn is always way earlier than I remember. I know, yeah, yeah. 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 Like when, 15, when it, 16? 15. When did Mile Wide come on? They were seventeen, yeah. 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 And I mean, Holsopple would have been around that time, yep. like mm-hmm. twenty seventeen or so. It feels like, but there was a significant gap between that, like first gen, mm-hmm. and then moving into the second yeah. gen. And I think. There's, there was a lot to be learned from that. Like you said, like the guild meetings were just like a few people. And yeah. then by the time 2018 rolls around, it's like a group of people that are like, yo, we're, we're kind of organized and we're trying to do this. It, t- totally that as far as structure, but from the beginning, from the very first time we told anybody we were going to get into, we we're actually going to do this thing. It was just open arms from every single person. So like the first beer we brewed, we, we used uh, yeast, that David Pierce pulled off of a Optimus batch for us. <laughs> yeah. That was the first yeast we, yeast we ever used. And then we had um, a shout Roger Baylor in there too. And the, oh, we had yeah, a shout yeah, at New Albanian. Yeah. We, no. we only did Louisville, but New Albanian was very important. Man, New Albanian was great. You know, um, what's the what's the Gravity Head? Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh! There was a time I could crush some Gravity Head. Yeah. I don't think yeah. I could do it anymore. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, and then Leah, you know, Leah taught us how to brew on a, on a grown up system. And they taught us how to make our keg washing system, which is, I would never, ever do what we did to wash keg. I'm talking PVC pipes and, and manual pumps and all, and, you know, just Lowe's buckets, man. But that's bootstrapping, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, all those folks, they, they showed us the way from, from, from day one, you know, it was never a competition discussion. It was a, how are we all going to make each other better? And I think you guys said maybe you guys even did a collab beer together back in the day, Michael Muller, when you were brewing it against the grain. I, I did not. Um, so the uh, Andrew Dimery, who was the brewer uh, at BBC, kind of there was a, there was a few brewers in and out between like Sam and Jerry leaving uh, and the next people. A- Andrew was probably the next one. And it was right around when Great Flood was opening up. Um I don't remember what high school I went to, but I feel like I was walking by and saw you all inside brewing with Andrew and Alex there. I, I, I don't know how long I can keep that up, but, <laughs> but yeah, there was there was for sure. Vince, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe Great Flood's first collaboration was at BBC. Oh, for sure. And I know it, it let I know for a fact it left an impact on Alex because he was trying to do something similar around the same time. I believe you and he are roughly the same age. Um, and so it, it was one of those where it was like, it, it was a whole lot of firsts happening at a very old, not, a, I guess, very old, but an old brewery, like an mm-hmm. OG brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was cool. It, like to that point of community, like it, it's, I, I don't know. Everyone remembers their first, <laughs> <laughs> but like there's a, I, I, I haven't, I'm not a very well-traveled man, me, Michael Moeller, but other people <laughs> are far better traveled. Um, and I don't know if there's that same sense of community in every town beer wise. The, the amount of people that hear like, oh, you work at a brewery and you don't have like competition in the same way. I don't know. There's. I, I thought it was complete nonsense when I was reading Courier Journal. And they're like, crap breweries are opening. I'm like, what the? No, mm-hmm. like, no, it's fine. Like we, we can get beer at the store. It's no big deal. And then like 
great flood rolls around and it's like, this is a part of an entrepreneurial program. And I'm like, okay, what is small business? Why is craft beer a small business? Cause beer is everywhere. What is craft? Like, how does this different? Like, what does it matter? And you, you know, you're like, okay, well it's the five or $6 a pint. And you're like, that sounds insane. And then I'm here where I am now, obviously. <laughs> uh, the art of seduction has worked. <laughs> but, you know, kind of trying to rationalize that in the beginning just seemed like such a radical idea. And I was like, God damn it, we're becoming like Portland, Oregon. Like, we're, we're succumbing. Like, I'm going to have like Portlandia episodes filmed in Louisville. But it's like you have iterated. It's just like the community that you build around that. Mm -hmm. Like, if you can say that like your trivia night was the one of the best things ever, just because you know the people in there, you know who's going to be there, you know what you're going to talk to them about. And one thing you said too that I like adore is like you pick up the conversation where you left it mm -hmm. of like I I know this person because I see them you know two three times a week they come into my bar. And I'm invested in them and they're good people to me. And I'm actually concerned about what's happening. <laughs> it's like the cheers effect. Yeah, yeah. it totally yeah. is. Like it's, I don't know. I, you watch an episode of cheers and it's immediately like, that's what I want. I want to be a part of that. So, so first of all, we got so crazy lucky with that location on Barstone Road. I mean, like if you couldn't paint yourself a better scenario for a, a creating a space like that, you know, where you have, the college right there with, with Bellarmine University, excuse me, of Bellarmine there. And you have all the people who could walk to, to your, uh, to your establishment. I mean, I, I kid you not probably a dozen people that I still hang out with to this day are people who live within a, a tenth of a mile of, of great flood and just came all the time. Like that's, that's just, you can't beat that. Um, you know, we certainly weren't the best brewers on the planet when we, when we opened that brewery. We, we certainly weren't putting out product that would have competed probably even in today's market in Louisville right now. But we were a thing and we were trying real hard. I and mean, we were good to people. And if you're just good to people and you take care of people and you give them a place where they can kind of create home away from home. That's the priority. The, the beer is not not that the beer isn't important. I, I completely agree. With you. I, but that it it is certainly secondary to comfort and community and you know just just feel like you're a part of something you could really feel a sense of you you all when you went into there too just because like yeah. you said like everything was bootstrapped but and even just like the uh signage and stuff like that was all kind of quirky <laughs> and like of your all's you know mentality and mindset or whatever yeah. that's one of the things i always like and uh, that's true about that other brewery in town that guy alex opened awry also just a great a welcoming space just i don't know it's, to me that's almost the most important thing and i could give a fuck about the beard like a lot of times like i certainly want to try stuff but that's usually not why I'm going to a place. I, it's I care about the beer a lot. I don't a lot. I really don't. <laughs> but the idea of like having a community aspect kind of exponentializes how you feel there. You know, um, one thing I always liked about Great Flood was like the history tie in. The brand had a really good identity that tied into Louisville that like had roots and like building a brand in today's market is really hard because it's kind of like everybody's done this, but great flood had like actual historical facts that, you know, I thought were just fun. The name had a meaning. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so many places open and it's like, well, okay, why is it that? Like, eh, it sounds cool, which is totally <laughs> fine. Nothing wrong with that, yeah. but it, it's, yeah, I, I don't know. Great flood. I, my grandfather, uh, remembers mm -hmm. that flood. Yeah. And, and that that was like kind of the first nod I ever heard. I was like, oh, yeah, 
it was a huge thing that we all know about. We're all like intellectually, we all know about it, but it's a so easy to forget like, oh, we're potentially sitting underwater where we are right now. I have no idea. Maybe. Are you saying that somebody's going to open a brewery in 10 years called like COVID? <laughs> COVID sucked. No, in like 90 years. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. better. Not, not to get all philosophical on that, but what was interesting to us about the Great Flood story was, I don't know if you remember the, the orange card that was on the wall. Mm -hmm. It was like, was, That's what I was thinking of. It was, it, it, people would pin it to their lapel and it said, it, ultimately it was, I dare you to catch me not smiling. The whole point was we're going to get through this together which is not exactly the mindset that maybe a lot of us heard through through COVID, perhaps. Again, not to get all deep or sure. certainly not political, but um, you know that story to me said like this is what Louisville is. Louisville is the kind of people who pick themselves up and and get through these incredibly difficult stuff. I mean, we're talking January 1937, and if you think of Louisville on a map, you know Churchill Downs was flooded. So you think of where the where the river is yeah. all the way to uh, the entire infield for where Churchill was flooded, just for perspective. During fucking prohibition, too. Oh, Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> and and you know, we didn't so the story on that, just briefly, is um, there's a book. It's called Rising Waters Soaring Spirits or something. And we met the author when we were considering naming the the brewery that. And he came and told us a story, and every single thing he told us was positivity. It was like the triumph. It was overcoming adversity. And we're like, well, that that's gotta be it. And then come to find out as well, um, Maybe you've heard of the the mile long, well the <laughs> the supposed mile long uh, pontoon bridge. It was built out of empty bourbon barrels. You heard that story? I've not no. heard that. Well, it, it allegedly took people from downtown up into the highlands, and there was apparently right across the street from the Great Flood building, there was um like kind of a a depot for the displaced from downtown to come get help. Wow, you know, and you got to remember the highlands at that edge was like the end of civilization in Louisville <laughs> back then. So it just it was all so perfect, man. Isn't that kind of cool? That yeah, yeah. 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 I, I love that. A yeah. mile long bridge made out of urban barrels. Made in it one day is was the story. In one day, cobbled together so people could walk across it. It's like some Alexander the Great shit, except right? uh, I feel urban. like I knew a lot of Louisville history, and yeah. that just did not make the cut. So it's a little folklore. There's a little book on the table I brought for show and tell. It's from 1937. It's about yeah. about the flood. You can check it out. Well, that kind of brings us into the modern era, and uh, you guys were certainly you know along and involved with that. But uh, after you guys opened, we talked about how a few years later, a bunch of other breweries started popping up. Um, what was it like for you guys just to kind of, or what was it like for you just to experience that on the other side? And then, so you also transitioned uh, away from uh, Great Flood in 2018, I 18, think. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, one, it was so cool because anybody who was opening a brewery would, I'm sure they went to every brewery, but they'd come hang out. And you know, I remember Rick coming and. Mm -hmm. Uh, drinking beer, and I remember the um, the old Louisville Brewing guys. They, that they were right around. Yeah, that they time. were like yeah. OG too. Yep. yep. Um, they would come in and just talk, and you know, Matt was always great at solving problems or giving resources or you know whatever. And yeah, it's just the community kind of builds on itself. The third turn guys are still good friends now, and um, you know, it, it just everything just builds builds on itself. And it, it, you know, so cool to watch watch it grow into something bigger. Um, but yeah, I I in like seventeen eighteen, I just decided. The writing was on the wall. It was just I needed to do something different. Um, I kind of my whole mantra professionally and personally is like I like to build a thing um, and then kind of move on to the next thing to build. And, um, you know, we with Great Flood in four, four years, we went from an, our five gallon backyard yeah. system to uh, to the 15 barrel hot side. We were selling in three states, you know, and it was it was pretty cool. And I was like, all right, that's, but then it kind of got to, I was the one selling beer at bars real late at night. And I was like, that's not my life. Yeah. I, but again, the people, 
the community at the tap room, the the Floodliers Club, our mug club, I'll never forget it. Just just the best, you know, way better than, than getting an MBA or working at a desk job yeah. in your, your mid 20s, right? And I think, you know, it's an, we'll talk a little bit more about entrepreneurship in general, I'm sure. But like when you start a business, and I can personally, I'm sure we can actually all probably personally speak to this. Uh, if you don't have an exit strategy, your exit strategy is death. Yeah. Like if you don't kind of have like a, at least a, even a very vague uh, vision in your mind when you start something about what you'd like to see it doing in five years, like, are you still going to be there every day? I'll use myself as an example, like yeah, John, unloading pallets like in the hot sun, <laughs> like uh, just talking to every customer, like can't go on trips because I'm like working every day and stuff like that. So, you know, it, it's important to have that in your mind and it's pretty introspective i'm not sure exactly what word i want to use but it takes some like introspection to know that that's what that's my thing it's like i want to help something get off the ground and make some jobs for some other people and then i want to fire myself <laughs> like try to let yeah. this thing go without me because at the end of the day it's going to have to go without you one way or the other if it's going to survive because you're going to you're going to plots like at some point you can't literally do it forever yeah are you building yourself a job or are you building yourself like a business that can become you know legacy or an exit for you or, or you know you can create job opportunities for a lot of other people you know that's that's i think when we when we started great flood we were thinking like we just got to make enough money to pay ourselves yeah. enough to like not die yeah um but you know now i with the new business i've started like i'm trying to figure out how can i bring on some great people to join my team and how can we make the biggest possible impact on the community um more as become you know bigger than the sum of our parts by putting a great team together and that's you know that's the way to do it that's what you guys are doing right uh, Louisville Ultra? I think I think so. I think that, we can it, ditch that's the, the goal. So. <laughs> Alex Vaughn, uh, brewer, head brewer. No, just a, a, one of the partners. Partners. Yeah. yeah there's, there's no head brewer. We're it's me and T Mart. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, honestly, Alex, thank you for joining us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. You've been here the whole time. Michael had to step out. Um, so I'm gonna I'll I'll fill in for him as best I can. Um, I do want to speak to having that idea of starting something and then in the back of your mind being able to let go that's the biggest thing that's insane yeah that, that like that's insane in a way of like i have so much respect so much it's so much forethought and maturity and taking your ego out of it um i like yeah that, that's like, like sitting here listening to you say that i'm like damn <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Me too. hold on like yeah Me too. But, i mean really it's so for context a rye brewing yes. just opened yeah. a few months ago. Great Flood, as we've been talking about, opened 11 years ago. 20, years? 2014, almost okay. 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, almost 10 years ago. Yeah. So we have the pedigree of the one of the newest breweries in Louisville and one of the oldest breweries in Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, but that's, it, I, it's a super easy thing to lose sight of especially when you start making any type of money. Yeah. And, and, and not even like a, just a like, Oh, all of a sudden I don't have a boss. You, everybody at this table knows that feeling at this point of like, I'm not rich, but I have nobody, nobody can tell me what to do knowing that. And then being like, yeah, maybe I'll let that go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mad, mad props. I, and it's not a good way. I, I, I'm having trouble like actually expressing. No, I think you nailed it. You know it. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Um, and you transitioned into into working with, as you said, your kind of passion was in startups and stuff like that. Your next move, you bounced around a little bit, but eventually moved into kind of helping nonprofits and doing some kind of 
kind of consulting and kind of helping other people have that vision of, mm-hmm. you know, seeing the longer span or seeing blind spots. Kind of talk us about what you did after uh, moving away from Great Flood, kind of getting to the point where you kind of wanted to start your own thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll spare you some of the boring details, but I, I spent a few years at an accounting firm. That's the boring details. That's boring. Um, yeah. and, um, but I did meet my wife at said accounting firm, hey, so it was go. the best job I've ever had. Well, that's boring. Um, <laughs> um, then I uh, I got my PMP certification, uh, and so I'm a, a, a formal project manager. Um, then I spent some time working in software development, and uh, for the last two years, I've been working with nonprofits, um, which is um, I, I was telling you before the show my my. My stated passion is I want to work with people with uh, purpose beyond profit. So not businesses that don't want to be profitable necessarily, but someone who's trying to do something bigger than just make money or, or um, you know, I want to solve some problems. I want to improve our community and I want to, you know, make life better for people that are, that are struggling. And that's, um, I'm just putting it out there and saying, if you're, if you're one of those people and you're struggling to, to get it done or you've got gaps in your team or in your resources, I, I want to come in and fill those gaps and, um, make things happen. And I'm working with a bunch of nonprofits right now. I've only been doing this like, like two months now yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. From a, in my own gig. And, um, it's just amazing. You put, you, you put, you put it into the world and, and sometimes it just happens. So, and that's kind of the ethos behind right mind. Like you just said, you started a couple of months back. Mm-hmm. We, we talked a little bit about the, like, uh, elevator pitch for great flood or whatever you, it, you just did a lot of it, but yeah. <laughs> it, 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 what's the overarching goal of uh, right mind? Beyond uh, anything you just said, I, it, it's it's what I just said, and then it's um, it's trying to create a team uh, of folks that can um, pl- plug in and and solve problems for businesses and, and create growth where growth may not have been possible. Um, and I've kind of not not to not to pitch this. I didn't tell you about this, but um, I've got a little side project right now. There's um, oh, uh, I've been there. Yeah, yeah. So this little, this little side thing <laughs> I'm working on. I um, there's uh, I, I'd like to change the way we look at nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Full stop. I'd like to change the way we analyze um, what a successful nonprofit is. Is a nonprofit good if it just makes enough money each year to continue to exist? Or is a nonprofit good if it solves the problem it's trying to solve? So you know? like an impact-based yeah. like measurement. Yeah. And right now, if you want to be a good nonprofit, you just got to make sure you spend 90% of the dollars you get on mm. something related to... Um, you know, your, your mission or something related to a program. And again... I'm not suggesting we should be willy-nilly with with money that's been donated, but I'm saying let's make the biggest possible impact. Sure. And I also think you uh, shouldn't have to be living at the poverty line to work for an organization that does good in the community. So I'm actually working on a project to bring the uncharitable film here to Louisville. Check that out if you get a chance. Um, it's just talking about changing the dichotomy of nonprofits. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, that's my little side, my little side thing. I love that. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to interject that. All no, no. <laughs> you, you've had this like whole theme about like helping out when there's entrepreneurial struggles in anyone that's ever tried to start a business ever will understand how uh, like just absolutely overwhelming it all is. Oh, yeah. Like you could have the best business idea and the best plan to launch it and you don't know dick about accounting or like filing with the state or the HR federal government or like what employees mean or how you do benefits or how you do this or that or the other. And there's always like a gap to fill. So like if you're helping fill some of those gaps, mm-hmm. then yeah, you can make the thing move forward. Uh, but also like, would you say, uh, purpose, purpose beyond profit, purpose beyond profit. Yeah. 
like figuring that out and understanding like I think that bleeds into the nonprofit thing that you said mm -hmm. of just like let's make this work but also what what the hell are you doing with this <laughs> like, yeah well and I mean it's kind of like what you guys are doing here you know like yeah. you're empowering the the homebrew community the craft beer community I mean you were the the where it, where it starts, mm -hmm. you know, if someone's going to open a, a, a brewery in the next five years and they live in Louisville, that's probably going to because be because they came here and they talked to you and they bought some, you know, it's just the same story that is our story from 10 years ago. You yeah. Know? Um, you're creating a, a critical part of this community, you know, and that's, that's the thing that's beyond. Yeah. It'd be great if you make a bunch of money and you can go on three vacations a year and, you know, enjoy yourself and be, be, uh, be comfortable. But if that takes the joy out of actually coming in day to day, <laughs> it's like if you, cause I always view that as the bigger picture. It's like yeah. exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm. The reason that this job is like fun, which ultimately makes it sustainable mm -hmm. uh, above even money is cause like, I don't want to blow my brains out most days. Like it's fun to get a pretty chill hang in here. Like, and just homebrewers come in. Sometimes they bring you a beer. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they bring you some mead. Those are the hard days <laughs> uh, or some moonshine. Those are the really hard days uh, or, uh, you know, uh, tractor fuel. Um, but no, I, I, I totally resonate with what you're saying there and in the culture that we all kind of grew up in of you know 80s and 90s like hustle and the hustle culture has evolved now to something different which i don't know if is good or bad but like i feel like there's more and more businesses that resonate with what you're saying opening up all the time which to me is a, a great new form of capitalism yeah and that's I think it's, you know, and I'm trying to take advantage a bit of all the folks that want to go out and turn their own dreams into reality because I want to help show them what might be keeping them from getting there and then help them get there. Yeah, you know, it could be a, a could be a, a brewery that's trying to figure out how to become profitable or, you know, it could be, you know, it could be anybody. I'm just um, I think one of the cool things about having been in brewing and, you know, I've worked in healthcare and I've worked in accounting, I've, I've seen a bunch of stuff and I may be a master of none, but I've seen just about, you know, I've made all the mistakes that someone can probably make. Um, and maybe I can just help you not make those same mistakes. <laughs> so you've seen, like you said, you've seen a lot. Yeah. Do you have any comment on like the development of Louisville Brewing as like the community, how it's grown over the years? Like, do you think it's like stronger, weaker? Like obviously there's trends, but yeah, man, I, I love it. I, I honestly, I love everything about it. You know, I, I love that you guys have this podcast and not, not to be a homer, but um, I, I love that it's turned into something that feels tangible and real. And, um, you know, I just recently, you know, you've got West Six opening up downtown. You've got Country Boy coming into town. You've got, um, you know, all the smaller guys that, that have opened up recently. Uh, you know, it, it just it's starting to feel a lot like it used to feel driving through Chicago yeah. or, or, or driving through, you know. Uh, even Indianapolis had a little bit of a scene, um, but you know, um, but of course I was in Grand Rapids over the weekend, so it, it, it doesn't feel like there's that many beers, <laughs> beer breweries here right now. Um, but yeah, it's, it is so cool to see where it's, where it's gotten to for sure. It reminds me a lot. We were just in Asheville. I think we said that a few times, like <laughs> yeah. we're name, we're dropping our vacays now, but like, uh, so I had, I had not taken a vacation as I told you earlier since starting this homebrew shop in 2015. Um, and uh, we did a quick little trip to Charleston. It was incredible to see the beer community there. But Asheville was always like the best town for beer, like east of the Mississippi. Uh, fuck you, Chicago. 
Um, <laughs> Hopleaf, man, come on. I mean, Chicago's, <laughs> Chicago's pretty good, but Asheville was always like my spot because we would go down there. My aunt lives in Asheville, so we'd go down there a few times a year, and like it was like the brewery scene was popping back then. But just kind of having not been there in ten years, now I go down there, I'm like, holy shit! There's like two breweries on every block. Oh, John was like, I'm gonna navigate you guys. Like as soon as we get here, you turn left, and yeah. like this place isn't even fucking here anymore. You know, I had no a giant glass of sake and got totally <laughs> lost in a tiki bar or whatever. Um, but Louisville right now reminds me of what Asheville felt like right before it like really, really blew up when it would have been like 2010 to 2015 when yeah. like the new shit was like Wedge and like Asheville Brewing Company. Those were like Wedge. the places that are opening up that kind of now remind me of like the vibes of like Awry or, you know, Kairos. Like they all kind of have their little niches that they're filling. They're all doing unique stuff. Everybody's getting their followings. And we're starting to get to that kind of like the who wrote that tipping point book. It was probably like Macklin Gladwell or Gladwell, something. Yeah. Um it feels like we're right on that tipping point where there starts to be a bigger synergy than just a bunch of businesses operating and kind of having the same vibe. I feel like now Louisville's reached that point where we're becoming a beer city. And uh, I think we have a lot of advantages because of bourbonism and foodieism and horseyism, if that's a word. Horseyism. Uh, <laughs> is that now. Arby's reference? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> horseyism. But I don't know. It's all working together. And I, for one, am excited to see it. It is crazy thinking Asheville, I'm just guessing 2012, 2013, and it's like there's High Wire and Green Man on that little strip, and yeah. then you can walk around and go to the Funkatorium, and um, it, it what, there's probably double that many breweries there now? I mean, it, it triple, I would say, triple, yeah, yeah. Something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's just crazy. And in all the surrounding towns, too, which right. is kind of what we're starting to see in Kentucky as well. Like every little town's getting one or even two or even three breweries popping up and all making really good beer, which is like awesome to be able to take little day trips we just we did indianapolis like uh we had our last day with the tesla rental so me and courtney went up to uh, indianapolis on monday everything was closed because it's fucking labor day so we had to upland stupid, but stupid uh, car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. oh you love it uh anyway Hit upland. a big part of beer culture has always been a sharing of an underberg together do you guys want to take a little uh berg break was underberg a thing back when you guys were uh, slinging Man, look, I have never had one of these ever. What? Are you serious? No, I know. Right. I, I, yeah. Um, so I, give me the rundown. Wait, I'm so curious. You can twist off the paper. It can be like really naked or like as, as much as you're comfortable with. Do, do you all remember your first Unibird? Oh, I do. It was with Michael Muller. Mine must have been. to be sitting right next to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I remember that because I was like, you've never had an Unibird? Are you kidding me? Uh, I can't remember mine. I think we there was a bar... Uh, an Irish bar in Lexington in college that would serve these. So I know I'd had them, but I never really knew the history of it until Michael Moeller talked to me for like two hours about it one fucking time. Until I you, Michael Moeller, too. talked yeah. about it to yeah. me yeah. for like two hours that one fucking time. And then I finally just said, Michael, just get, let's drink it. Shut up. <laughs> it's, it's been made for over 175 years. It's composed of over 40 different countries worth of ingredients. It's a great digestive. If you've had a few, bar, uh, few beers, if, plenty of food like it just settles the stomach and you feel just like ready to move into the next stage of your evening drinking more beers drinking more beers yeah <laughs> i have a friend of mine that every time she's ready for a nunderberg she she will ask like is everybody ready to feel bright and alert yeah bright and alert, <laughs> bright and alert. yeah so prepare yourself for just a very kind of bitter herbally um kind of like uh like bitters essentially concentrated bitters uh digestive Preferred uh, method, uh, 45 degrees, no hands, uh, let it pool under fancy. the tongue and then swallow all at once and then exhale. It's a good thing. Cheers. 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 Oh. Thanks, Underberg. 
especially after a big heavy meal or like in between a couple beers just to kind of reset your palate, reset yourself a little bit. So clutch. It's delightful. Mm. And the most important thing, keep the caps. I feel like somebody just posted a new prize that they put out on their social media. They had like a new little bus or something that they just announced today. I saw it on their Insta. I did not. Good, good Instagram follow as well. Uh, Underberg America on Instagram. Yeah. I, I tried to do, I foolishly, uh, tried to do one of those like black walnut, like clove, like digest. Whoa. Power surge. This is back from the spirit box era. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause yeah. we were haunted in here. The, the spirits e- want an Underberg. Hang on. Everything just flickered in the shop right now. Katie Joe is still like, help us. Katie Joe Gleason. <laughs> we will leave this here for you. Spirits. They wanted an Underberg. Okay, we, we did it? a spooky episode. In our like, last one, we channeled ghosts through a spirit box in our last episode in the shop. Since then, everything has been weird. Uh, I'm going to end my story because now I'm unnerved. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, Vince. Yeah. Uh, we always ask our guests to bring one thing that they love that's beer and one thing they love that isn't beer. Oh, well, we're bring it on. <laughs> Something. Uh, would you mind sharing with us your first show and tell item? You going beer first? It's uh, up to you. Mostly because I want another beer. Yeah, it's oh, it's yeah. beer time. So um, I just spent the weekend up in Grand Rapids with some friends that were old Great Flood friends. Shout out Greg and Maggie, and uh, they sent me uh, sent me here with some 2017 CBS. Ooh, and, boy. I, and I also ordered some uh, some No Rules from No Rules Day from Perrin this year. Damn boy! So I brought the coffee version to share with you guys, and I'm really yeah. at it. So let's crack them. David will go get in the beer fridge. That's uh, one of the things that's like a certainly a, sorry, but I don't know if you guys will be able to hear this in the audio, but we're getting crazy crackling and like the lights are flickering. So, so I, I think it's every time I'm getting a text. No, maybe not. Says yeah. no. I don't know. The spirit yeah. says no. But one of the fringe benefits of working in the beer industry is you make a lot of friends with your customers, too. But then you also make so many cool industry connections just with different people in the beer world and collectors and brewers and stuff like that all over the country. Uh, really cool that those relationships continue to this day for you. It sounds like, man, I, look, <laughs> I used to travel, you know, when, when you're in a brewery, I, I hope you're doing better than I was, but you don't make any money. Yeah. Um, but keep going. Not I, much. Not, not <laughs> much better. <laughs> um, every time we would travel anywhere, I would just send fire off a few e- emails before I left. And oh no. Let there be light. Um, I would just fire off a few e- emails to the people that I knew we were going to be around and almost a hundred percent of the time they, they just respond like, Hey, come join us. We'll give you, t-, you know, so like I got a, a personal Let's tour of the bells brewery back in the day and I got a founder's guided tour and I got a new a Fort Collins, new Belgium tour, you know, just like, here's, here's a whole bunch of swag and some beers and you know, they just, the beer community just takes care of people. Man. I, I, the, the power that a case of beer oh god that a, and more specifically a case of beer that you're bringing into a brewery yes. which you would think might be like okay you're bringing beer into a place we make beer and i know like from working on production side and i, I know you know this too somebody bringing in something you're like thank fucking god <laughs> i don't have to drink another one not, not that the beer you're making is bad shit. but you're, yeah. Yeah, you're just there's only so many whatever brewery you work for Whatever the flagship beer short pour is, there's only so many cases of that before you're like, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And it's fun to just drink something that's not your own shit. Yeah, it's it's great. So you get get to taste it and talk about it. It's fun again. It's like not your 
job it, beer. It becomes a hobby again. Yeah, you yeah, get yeah. to you get to see what your buddies are doing. Yeah. Like what what are people up to? What you know? It, it, there's simply in like what style somebody drops in front of you because ultimately if you're giving beer to somebody it's something you're proud of yeah it's something you know very rarely is somebody going to show up and be like here's some bullshit that we don't want to drink <laughs> right so we brought it to you and if you do i don't bad move maybe not maybe not <laughs> well on that exact point you know i i feel like most breweries now don't do this and i probably for very good reason but um we would always have typically eight of our own beers and then eight guest beers on tap. That was just kind of the plan to one, to make sure we covered all the different style possibilities. Um, but two, because frankly, I loved curating the hell out of a beer list and, and every single time a distributor picked up a new, uh, you know, a new brewery that came into the market, I was like, great, give me eight of those. Give me the rarest stuff you got. Give me make, let's make it a party. And I would do that like twice a month. You know, you got to think of all the breweries that entered this market from oh, yeah. um, every single time. It, it just felt like we just got hit with here's all the cool stuff. And, you know, you buy four or five half barrels of the key stuff. They're going to send you some of the cool stuff. And like mm-hmm. that way, it was never it was always fresh. I mean, it was always there was something new to do. And that's, you know, it felt like a big accomplishment for us was introducing all those new brands to our crew of folks like right off the bat um and that that was always so fun because you know um you can get the funky stuff you can get yeah you can we would get special kegs of monk's cafe you know we'd get you know what i'm saying and, yeah. and you know we'd get the the you know barrel age plead the fifth back when dark horse was just hit oh, yeah, yeah you know? for, for a timeline perspective like the first founders canadian breakfast out was yeah. what, 2012 or 2013 yeah yeah or maybe maybe even 2011 uh it, it actually predates me by a little bit um but what i do know is <laughs> by the time so so canadian breakfast out is founders imperial stout aged with chocolate coffee and maple syrup in bourbon barrels um the first time we're they released this. It was innovative. It was a hit. It was just like the forefront of adjunct stouts. And then when it came back out, I think in 2017, it was just this like mad dash to like get this. Okay, the spirits have really interfered here. I've turned off like every yeah, electrical we're trying, thing. guys. <laughs> Sorry about the uh, audio quality, but hey, we'll just carry on. The spirits are going to spirit. So this, even even being what uh, like almost six, seven years old now. Uh, it still represents a huge like monumental shift forward into like, oh yeah, we made this thing back a long time ago and we're going to bring it back. And people absolutely clamored over this beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited to try it. I am too. I, well, I, ju- I just checked the label to see if there was a horse or not. Oh, is there? Yeah. There's a horse. Yeah. There's there a is. horse. Cause it wasn't that a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the, yeah. CBC the new doesn't ones. have, yeah. yeah. It's like the Mounties were like, sorry, you can't do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, if you get a chance to go to Founders Fest, that's a party. Yeah. That is a party worth going to. Great music. All the beers like $5. They're just pour, pouring KBS at 11 in the morning, Ooh. CBS, you know, <laughs> and, you know, the, bear, uh, what's the dirty bastard, the, the barrel uh, age dirty bastard? Oh, yeah. Arrogant bastard. Arrogant bastard. No, no, no. Stone. Stone. Yeah. Sorry. It's uh, the, uh, fuck, oh I gosh. can't remember. Oh, we are going to miss it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Back, back, backwards <laughs> well, bastard, backwards bastard, backwards bastard. bastard. Backwards. There you go. Yeah. Thank, yeah. You. Thank you. The reason this you. was Canadian breakfast out and not KBS, CBS instead of KBS was because KBS was coffee and uh, chocolate, and this added maple syrup in, what? which mm. was a special Didn't variant. K- KBS was 
had been out for a bit though, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And C- then they did CBS, CBS was like the like special yeah, yeah, yeah. year. Well, it's holding up as fuck. <laughs> it's yeah, really, really good. Yeah, good. I mean, yeah, it's coffee really good. hasn't yeah, soured yeah. or turned green. Dude, like, hit this me is... again. Hit me again, please. <laughs> it's incredible. And it reminds you of those good old days back in the day when we weren't all jaded and like you would be so hyped if you got a bottle of this. Oh, yeah. But it's nice to know that it's still fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Like, we weren't just naive beard geeks back then. Well, like, we were. Yeah. yeah but we were, we were right. So God damn we were it. right. <laughs> I know what I drank. Yeah. <laughs> that is really nice. Yeah, that's super, super, super good. Yeah. And John, you you prepared a little bit of a, a game for this. Well, yeah, evening. now that we're loosening up uh, with our uh, CBS over here, uh, Vince, we wanted to uh, certainly, you know, you're very involved in the world of entrepreneurship. Um, I'm sure you've seen the show Shark Tank. Yeah. Uh, so that's how all business pitch meetings go, right? It's exactly like Shark Tank, I'm sure. Yeah. All the cameras. All the cameras. Yeah, yeah, all like these big stunts and everything like that. Mark Cuban's always there. For some reason. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So we wanted to play a little game with you. Um, it's actually not really super beer themed, but I think we'll still call it instead of Shark Tank, uh, Bright Tank, <laughs> which is the uh, the vessel that brewers will use to uh, to age and mature and eventually carbon keg beer. That's irrelevant to this game. I don't know why I'm explaining it other than try to pull this thing up on my iPad. I'm killing time. Here we go. <laughs> Uh, we're going to play a little game with you called Bright Tank. So we're going to pitch you some uh, startup ideas. And I guess your task is to decide if you want to invest uh, or not invest. You can make that determination however you want. However, I will tell you, some of these are r- real businesses, real startups <laughs> that actually have earned in excess of like million, oh, no. million dollars of funding. <laughs> some of them uh, I created, they're complete bullshit. Wait, where did where did you get the real businesses? Uh, I Googled like funny, Damn. strange startups. I was, I was hoping it was like Kickstarter. I'm like, I, bet, I mean, I'm, they're all I'm things that kind of, okay. but they at least <laughs> went further than that. Like they actually got off, they actually got like funding from other sources beyond Lift just, off. yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Question, am I investing my money or am I investing your money oh, in this? Oh, that is a good question. That's a very good question. Well, the spirits told David Satterley to invest all his money in this podcast, so maybe you're investing... <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. What are you trying to tell us? To Katie, Dude, that, that was a very clear... Fuck you. I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in supernatural anything in any capacity. But that right there. That was channeling. That was uncanny. Yeah. Uh, so David's had all his money. This is where David's going to invest his money unless the spirits object. Well, all then right, we need to discuss David Satterley's net worth. I think. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He's got 250K in the bank ready to dollars? invest. Yeah. I have tens of dollars. Tens of dollars. Yeah. Tens of dollars. All right. So uh, business number one, let us know if you think it's a good investment or if you're going to pass or if you want to say, yeah, I think this is real. I think this is fake. You can answer however you would like. Gotcha. Uh, The name of the company, Dog Spot. Ever been walking your dog, watching them trot around as happy as Larry and then felt a sharp pang of guilt when you have to tie them to a pole while you run your errands? You wouldn't be the only one. And Dog Spot intends on doing something about it. Dogspot offers smart dog houses strategically positioned outside of stores so you can leave your beloved pet in comfort while you shop. Featuring climate control, a pet cam that you can view from the app on your phone from wherever you are, and clean, fresh comfort, doting pet parents are loving this Brooklyn-born concept. To date, they've received approximately 1.5 million USD in seed funding and have plans to expand to every walkable city. Dogspot. So I have to know if it's fake. Did Chat GPT write it? I use Chat GGP to help me. Okay, <laughs> with some Great. of these. Okay, all right. Okay, uh, uh, sorry. Like you just you, you pick up your 
animal and you take them to somewhere you know they can't go and you're like oh man i hope there's a pole here i right. can tie it to <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like oh fuck there's no pole like, what it's do like i do z car or what what's the yeah 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 this seems irresponsible <laughs> your pets are having a great time in there and you can monitor them from the mobile app to make sure that they're uh, living their best life and they're little like it's like those like in the japanese airports where they just have those little pods for people you can just put your pet in one of those while you go in uh be bougie in so, some kind of a boutique gallery because I'm sure they're only outside of like rich places. When that dog poops in that box, what 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 then? That's a, that's a great question for the company. Okay. Mark Cuban over here, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so um, I, I hmm, I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm passing on this one. Okay, I'm passing on this one because uh, you know if you got a dog, do dog related things. Don't put your dog in a box. Yeah, don't put dogs your dog in a box. Dogs don't belong in a box, and there's gonna be poop in that box. So for that reason, I'm out. That's 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 just bad pet ownership. <laughs> yeah, don't put don't put me in a box either. I don't I don't want to be in a box. Now people will start putting people in those boxes inevitably, and that will that be funny. Will, yeah, that that that's be funny. where people be living in there because they're like, this is like well, way better on. than my like yeah, two thousand dollars studio apartment. There might put be me something in the pet there. box if you're <laughs> in Brooklyn. Yeah, can we solve houselessness with Hipster a similar hotel. situation? Mm. So I'm both happy and sad to tell you, dog spot. It's real. It is real. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so uh, you guys can no. check out the website. 1.5 million? Yeah. And uh, they are completely out of business now. Uh, oh, their, uh, their website has been taken over by some uh, type of like, shocked. it looks like a Japanese like uh, like account farming company. So their their URL is completely voided. They're gone. Wait. Yeah. So can I, can I add a last question to maybe? Of course. How many of the real ones, if we can guess, were maybe money laundering schemes? Oh, yeah. That's a great <laughs> question. That's a great question all businesses are just money laundering schemes to some extent we're all in it for the free beer that's not laundering that's hospitality <laughs> number two move mate dr harold brownstein a veterinary scientist specializing in bovine lactation developed move mate to offer a lactose-free cow milking experience in virtual reality Users put on a VR headset to simulate the act of milking a cow. It comes with a complete haptic <laughs> feedback kit of gloves for a fully tactile experience. Once the VR milking session is complete, the equivalent amount of real lactose-free milk will be delivered to the user's doorstep within minutes, offering the joy and connection of an authentic milking experience without any of the digestive concerns. Authentic milking, milking experience. <laughs> David, have you ever had an authentic milking experience? Is this Brave New World? <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> some shit like that. Yeah. This is all very upsetting. Um, it sounds like some Mark Zuckerberg metaverse kind of. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, my, my instinct is that that, that might be real. Um, I'm, 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 I'm going to be out on that just because of all the words you said about uh -huh. it. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, we got an inauthentic guilty <laughs> experience guy over here. Um, all the words. <laughs> <laughs> too many words <laughs> yeah I, I didn't like any any of that really um milking has anyone if any of you actually milked a cow before it is not an experience it's not it needs to be simulated yeah it's it's, it's a weird squeeze yeah. <laughs> good band name i i hope you call this podcast episode it's a weird squeeze a weird squeeze i like it. yeah that's that's my only hope do you guys have any <laughs> final thoughts before i reveal if this is a uh, real or bbs i think it's real i think it it's like real some, some like amish developed app or something i want it to be fake so bad but this is this has got like silicon valley like money laundering yeah, well <laughs> see this, this feels like that that weird you could just go milk a cow 
Yes. Like you really could. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like a lot of work. And then I got to get in the car and then I got to go. And it's like, is the cow Bluetooth enabled? <laughs> it's like, you had me until the like delivered at your front porch. Yeah. So I'm going to see I'm gonna that's, call. that's what makes it real to yes. me. Yes. Yeah. Like, just imagine you put on a VR headset, you play this little game, and then like 20 minutes later, suddenly it drops well, off an equivalent amount of milk that you got. Without the milk, it's just a Steam game. Uh-huh. There's nothing right. wrong with that. Right. Like, that's just, okay, yeah. So, so this gives me big, like, okay, so my wife is a vegetarian. This gives me big, like, uh, I'm going to VR massacre a cow. <laughs> And then they're going to deliver some Impossible Burgers to my house. Like like that. Yeah, you're right. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, Joe Rogan's yeah, working you know on I mean? right now. Absolutely. Yes. Like you just you slip the right here and then. I want to milk a cow, but I don't, I can't handle lactose. Yeah. But I really want to get in there. Like, uh, yeah. I think, man, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still out. You're out. Yeah. All right. Guys in or out? I'm out. That one is. I mean, I think it's real, but I'm not putting money in it. It's it's fake. I made that one up. But it sounds like a really cool company. I think we're going to start it like right now. Move me. Move me. Is how many good, O's? That's O's. a good O's. seller. Yeah. We have six total to go through. Oh, no. How many O's were in the word oh, move? Uh, I wrote more <laughs> to remind total. me to pronounce it. So I put four in there. Okay. Yeah. Move that's enough. me. Yeah. Uh, LLC. Number three. LLC. <laughs> Biomood. Biomood was founded by bioengineer Dr. Felix Miller, who initially embarked on his research to combat his own intermittent bouts of mood swings. Dr. Miller was dissatisfied with the conventional one-size-fits-all approach to emotional well-being. Thus, he developed Biomood, a highly advanced mood ring with a twist. This wearable not only employs a color-changing interface to display your current emotional state, but also administers precise microdoses of customized herbal extracts through a Bluetooth-enabled transdermal patch, the goal? To biochemically balance your mood in real time, turning emotional fluctuations into a thing of the past. I'm in. I want it. <laughs> what are the chemicals? It's up to you, I guess. Is it based on the assumption that this actually works? Like, like do we have, like, because... You, you'll figure out. I, honestly... Yeah. Well, there's no one... We don't need this whole one-size-fits-all uh, viewpoint of emotional well-being, uh, Michael. I totally <laughs> agree with that. But... <laughs> You can't just throw out bullshit and tell me to be like, <laughs> no, that that it works. Hey, you were all in on Move Me two minutes ago. So. I wasn't in on <laughs> okay, it. I okay, just thought okay. it was real. I don't think this is fake. I just don't believe in the product, gotcha, I guess. Gotcha. So, I might believe it's fake. I don't know. So this is a, a Bluetooth enabled ring filled with drugs that moderates my personality. Yeah, but like yeah. they do that with insulin. Sure. Like that, yeah, it's, it's very much, I think, like that. So the yeah. ring is Bluetooth linked to... So the ring is just like one of those rings you can buy that monitors your like vitals and shit. And it's also a mood ring. So it changes colors with your mood. Uh, and then it's like hooked up to a patch that you have somewhere to that's preloaded with chemicals, kind of like a printer. And it's like, saline. oh, you need more. You need more uh, saline. Yeah. 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 Or microdose mushrooms or like uh, hemp herbal extract or like whatever the heck that you whatever you placebo your combo placebos is placebos work. Hey. I mean, I love placebos are my favorite drugs. All right. I'm what do you fa- think? Vince? I'm, like, I'm, I'm fascinated. Um, you know what? I just, just to stop being an naysayer, mm-hmm. I'm, I, while I, while I see a lot of potential flaws in this system, like, <laughs> like someone hacking into your phone and giving you a, <laughs> turning your microdose into a macrodose. <laughs> um, I, I think it would be really fun and I think we should do it. I'm in. 
All, all right. quarter million of his dollars. David's in. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, how, how much of the company do you get for that? All uh, of it. Oh, And the opportunity to read or uh, to retail it in tar- every target across America. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And only target. Only target. Yes. Target exclusive. Uh, unfortunately, Biomood is fake for now. Not real for now. Yeah, it is coming. <laughs> so let's cut the podcast. Yep. Go make a Biomood. Let's get a business plan going. Yeah, we know a guy. Right. I'm not mad. Like it, yeah. it's a good idea. Yeah, that was that's your idea then. I mean, uh, yeah. TM. <laughs> first. That's it. Make sure mail that to yourself. My thing is like, that's how do you proof. how do you self regulate if everything regulates for you? You know, it's all through the you app. Don't, you don't have to. Just trust the app. Oh, the app. Just okay. trust the algorithm. Oh, okay. Right, give me the next one. <laughs> I already wasted a quarter million dollars on this. <laughs> it's not wasted. It's an investment. It's a drug ring. I'll it's never financially ring. recover from this. It's, it's a drug ring. It's literally. It's a drug ring. Oh shit, dude! Drug ring. Yeah, That's the new name. Fuck that shit. You're welcome. Biomood. Drug ring. Hell yes. TM Pen Pen. All right. Number four business opportunity for you guys. Uh, take it or leave it once in a lifetime. I do. Now I don't. Josh Opperman started this unique company after his fiance of three months ended up leaving him. He was able to take the devastating feelings that he experienced and transform them into a successful startup. I do. Now I don't is a Craigslist for fine jewelry for those who no longer have a need for their rings and people will get a much better price than they were. Uh, if they were to try to attempt to return the ring to the store where they bought it from. That's dark. It's genius. Is that dark? That's dark. It's practical. It's practical. It's genius. It's a good idea. It's dark. What's the investment, though? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, well, like, why do you invest in this? Well, because you just want a piece. You want a piece. You think there's a, like, you know that 50% of marriages end in a divorce. Uh, the you're statistics like, oh, are right. On, hold yeah. on. Because, all right, th- this assumes in the divorce either somebody gets Gives. the jewelry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Yep. See, I'm even thinking small. I'm giving back your this. ring, like, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, they never do. They keep it. They keep right. it. And but then, then they, they sell they can it also, on... Yeah. I do now. I don't. I Gold. think this is real. Okay. You're in? Have you heard of a pawn shop? Right. True. Is that... Isn't that this? It sounds like it's an online... Well, it doesn't... It says it's a Craigslist for it's, fine jewelry. It's jewelry eBay. Yeah. Jewelry eBay. I think that's probably the Craigslist. Yeah, jewelry yeah. Bay. Jewelry Bay. I, I like that the, it said in the description it's Craig, Craigslist, and we're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it it's eBay. Yeah. It's eBay. It's something. It's definitely not Craigslist. It's, it's not what you like, said it was. Yeah. <laughs> See, that makes me think it's real, too, because, like, who's even talked about Craigslist recently? Mm-hmm. It, it has big Craigslist vibes. For, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, yeah? Well, bitch, I'm taking your fucking jewelry. And it's a sad story. Yeah. It's like that Ernest Hemingway short story, for sale, baby shoes, never worn. Ooh. He said he tried to write the saddest story he could in the fewest words, and that's what he published as a story. I can't. I think it's called Baby Shoes. Yikes! Okay, I'm gonna drink. Yeah. <laughs> I always make it dark somehow, don't I? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't. Um, that one's probably a money making opportunity. Mm-hmm. I don't like it, but I will spend his money to get in on it. Okay. I'm gonna say fifty thousand dollars for forty percent of that business. That yeah, sounds I'm, good to I'm me. In. I'm in. Uh, wise investment. That is a real company, yeah, it is. and it's around mm-hmm. to this day. I do. Now I don't. Where are they based out of? I don't know. I did not get that uh, detail. But Probably. What? What? You do? No, Have you used the service before? I, I do, oh. but I don't. Uh, yeah. I you well. know what? I bet that the people who started that, that are the people who run Ashley Madison. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that, so they're like, yeah, double in. Yeah, that's the empire. Yeah. That's, that's what we call it. Just the empire get, get all the sides of it, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think about that. I forgot about that. Yeah. 
They still have ads and stuff, right? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Is it real? They have my email. I don't even know it yet. <laughs> Are you on that list? You're on that list? Wait, man. I'm trying to have an affair. All right. I've got another investment opportunity for you guys. Uh, you have the opportunity uh, for a $75,000 investment to get a 10% stake in uh, this new company, diedinhouse.com. Speaking of weird, creepy startups, this company was created because its founder found out that someone died in my house before I bought it. He had assumed this information would have been part of the disclosure process, but he discovered that in most states, your realtor or broker is not required to tell you whether a murder, suicide, or other violent death has taken place inside of your house. Enter diedinhouse.com. For $11.99, approximately, it will tell you whether someone has died in your house, whether you're already living there or considering purchasing it. This is a thousand percent real. <laughs> Fake. Diedinhouse.com. $11.99 a month. Uh, I think so. I'm assuming it would work kind of like if you're looking up like a van on a car. Like, has anyone died in my house recently? (laughs) (laughs) You would know. You would know. My app went off. (laughs) (laughs) Updates in real time. Uh, Fuck, somebody just died in my house. I can't go back. (laughs) This has got big, real vibes, man. I I think it's real. Uh, I lived in a house where somebody died. Yeah. And they had to disclose it to me. Granted, that was in Indiana. You did say in a lot of states. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. It feels... 12 bucks. 12 bucks. I'm in. Wait, no, hold on. I, I thought this was... Eleven ninety nine. Eleven ninety nine, approximately. Plus tax. Wait, plus tax. Wait, you're asking for investment, right? Yeah. Because that was was this mm-hmm. that could have been the one before the fifty thousand for X amount of percentage. Yeah, I think let's say it's like a seventy five thousand for ten percent stake. Ten percent equity. No, I don't think this is a real company. I think I think you're a grifter right now. Okay. <laughs> let's yeah. There's only someone gonna die in your house later. Yeah, I've had that happen. You're not, you're <laughs> I'm not there, um, well, not in the house that I bought. I should say. I think it's real. You and should say that. I, you know what? I'm in with someone else's money. I like in. it. Yeah, okay. sure. Twelve dollars. That's good. Diedinhouse.com. Real company. Yep. Yes. Of course yeah. it is. Well, Out if, there. if you live in Indiana and you rent or buy a house and they don't disclose that, then sue someone. Hell yeah. Mm. Probably the person who died and didn't I tell you. I don't know the statute of limitations. Like, squander my money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah I'll do it. You're for, he's for doing a pretty, pretty good job yeah, so far. Yeah, probably, yeah, that's real stuff. Okay, yeah. you, I just made you a million dollars. Probably. All right, I've got one more for you guys <laughs> I mean, here tonight. At least. <laughs> In or out, are you guys ready to experience Star Meal? Founded by astrologer and chef Shelley Doolittle, Star Meal is a unique meal kit delivery service that aligns each dish to your astrological sign and current celestial events. By blending nutrition, science, and astrology, these meals aim to boost not just your physical health, but also your cosmic energy. Whether you're a Cancer needing comfort food during a moon transit, or a Leo craving something bold as Mars enters your sign, Star Meal makes eating a celestial experience. I'm furious. <laughs> This this bleeds chat GPT, but I'm not saying it's a bad idea. It's a terrible idea. If if it delivered beer to my house based on whatever those things were that you just said, yeah. I would be totally interested in the discussion. Okay. But I don't star beer? Passing star beer. Yeah. yeah. I, but I'm out on the whole star related food situation. But I do think it it might be real. <laughs> I mean certain people would definitely do it. I'm out. Yeah. Alex is David going broke on this one? I, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. David's in. We're all, the rest of us are out. <laughs> uh, because unfortunately, Star Meal is fake. Oh, Not a real no. company. For now. But 
Vince, thank you for playing Bright Tank, the oh, uh, the Brewer Bright. Extraordinaire Investment Game for All. If you guys have any crazy uh, companies that you think we should include in our next uh, version of this game that you've seen out there, leave them in the comments. Get in the comments. <laughs> Just like saying that. All right. Well, you've shared some beers with us. We have a few more beers we'll probably share before the evening is done. But I think, Vince, you also brought a few other things to share with us. Uh, we always ask our guests to bring something booze, beverage related to share, and then something with a more uh, kind of a personal uh, twist. You want to share with us and the viewers and listeners at home what you've brought? This is great, by the way. Sorry. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I I was going through a box about 15 minutes before I drove over here, and I thought, which of these things would be interesting to talk about? So I just grabbed some stuff. Um, I'll just kind of go through one at a time. I told you earlier about um, one of the cool things about it being Great Flood, talking about 37 Flood, is a lot of people brought us stuff like memorabilia from, from the flood. Um, and this is a legit, very old yeah. um, booklet. It's from the New Albany ledger, but this is pictures of the flood itself. Um, just, just really cool history stuff. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Southern Indiana, so, you know, it is what it is, but <laughs> I'm kidding. no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't talk about Michael Moeller like that. No, I love you, Indiana. Just not as much as Kentucky. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so this just kind of reminds me of, um, you know, having those discussions. It was, yeah. al- it's always fun to, when someone walks into the brewery and says, what's, what's a rye, what's great flood, you know, like, well, here's the, here's the whole deal, man. Let's talk about it. You know, tell them the, the barrel story or the displaced people hung out across the street kind of you know that it just brings back those kind of vibes for me and it's cool as shit so um again i told you uh the the gentleman who wrote the book became a friend of ours and he came and did a couple we would do flood week to come out to commemorate the the history of the flood he would come do a little talk and it's great because we'd have people who lived through the flood come and tell, tell their story right um you know, and those events weren't our our best attended events, but they were some of the most authentic, cool discussions that that we had. And um, he told us that there was a group of folks um, that were first responders and volunteers during the flood, nineteen thirty seven, and they would get together and just talk and tell stories. And as people do, as time goes on, the stories became more and more far-fetched and maybe a little less accurate but 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 that group lovingly became known as the flood liars that's right yeah um so we thought well that's the name of our mug club for sure so um when we decided to start a mug club in 2015 um i wanted to do it right i wanted to make it special you know i i I would try to draw on you know i remember the bbc club back in the day Mm -hmm. i remember going to dark horse and seeing the 1500 or whatever mugs hanging around that building and i was like i want to make it really really cool really you know exclusive is not the word but i want to make it mean something yeah so i went to stone louisville stoneware and i said make me a 16 ounce or 18 ounce mug um and this was the prototype that they created for oh me. wow so uh and i and i told them right away like this is too much of a coffee mug and not a beer mug but this is the one i drink my coffee out of in the morning that's awesome um so there's this is one of one um but this you know this is the club this is those people 150 or so folks that um, really made that part of Barstown Road really special for a few years for me. Um, so I brought you guys a little coaster. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. It might be the only one that I have there. I don't, I don't know if they, if they exist anymore, but um, we used to, that, that was a, um, oh my gosh. 
who are the guys who make the belts? Clayton and Kroom. Clayton, yeah, Clayton and Kroom. Yeah. yeah, they made those for us. That's awesome. We used to trade them beer for belts, man. Hell yeah. That's a good dude. It's a good they're, trade. They're amazing. Oh yeah. my God. I'm, I'm still wearing the belt. I, I've got yeah. a wallet in, in yeah. my pocket. From like eight years ago. Shout out, you guys. We'll have coasters in about four weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so nice. Getting some special Clayton editions for uh, Louisville mm-hmm. Beer Week. Nice. Yeah. 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 Great folks. And then um, <laughs> can I share a, another fun story? Of course. We have time for that. So, um, <laughs> the, the great flood guys and I, we had to drive up to um, Lafayette, Indiana to uh, middle of nowhere to, to go to go to ball <laughs> um, to get our cans run. And, you know, it, it felt it felt pretty special to know that we were we started at five, <laughs> five, uh, five gallons. And, you know, we're going up and we're getting our cans printed, you know, tens of thousands of cans. We, we have to order. You have to order a full truckload. You have to order a truckload. It's kind of like when a band hears their song on the radio for the first time. I think every brewer yeah. has like the first like time you open your own can of beer. Like it's just, I don't know. It feels like it, it means something. It's special, man. And, um, you know, there's, there's obviously so many things we could have done different and this could have been better. But what was funny is we went out to a, to a bar called, uh, the chocolate shop in Lafayette the night before. And we, uh, got a little rowdy. <laughs> And uh, we just had some dudes in the chocolate shop. Yeah, it's just this bar in Lafayette. Oh, I was um, like, you know, you insert alcohol. <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, so we went to ball. I think we had to get there at like five, five in the morning or something. And we were um, not all together. And uh, what was funny is this toasted brown can is not the color that we wanted, but none of us could have the lights on in the room that we were in <laughs> because of our mental state. So, oh, you, Ted. Tell them about like what it looks like when you go into ball to look at a proof. Oh, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's enormous. It's enormous. You talking about this? Yeah. Like when they, when they show you from what I've, I haven't been, yeah. but from what I've heard, it's a very, very specific, like they put you in a very specific room, yeah, yeah, specific yeah. lighting. Yeah. So that's not like, if you're like, well, that's not what I ordered. Like, fuck you. Yes, it is. Yeah. And yeah. We were, we weren't in any state to tell them they were wrong about this <laughs> and, and, and we were all wrong about this because this is not the color that we wanted at all it was supposed to be like that brown color but um we were we weren't in a great shape and we we said sure go with that one <laughs> and what's what's funny is you think that's amazing you, you think like you're you're ordering uh this big substantial amount of of cans right they had it took them longer to um to stop the machine and change the dye and print these than it than it did to like actually print them wow <laughs> yeah like like you're, you're so insignificant compared to like the coke zero or whatever oh, the hell yeah. they were printing that day but uh man it's 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 really special and you know i on that note i would encourage anybody who's trying to think about starting a brewery you know go for it man um you know anybody who's thinking about starting anything you know go for it um, you all said that same thing 10 years ago, the first time I met you. Really? But yes, legitimately. It was at BBC. We were doing, and I was like, yeah, I want to open a brewery one day. And it, either you, Matt, Zach, all three of you were like, do it, do it. Like there was, yeah. there was no questions. There was a, do that. Look, man, it, it is, um, always more rewarding to put in 80 hours a week for yourself than 40, 45 hours for somebody else. Um, and if you get to make something, like you have to make like like I think I wrote the words that are on this can that people bought out of the store. You know, like that—that's the Floodlighters Club logo on the can. You know what I'm saying? Like this this meant something. And you know, most most times you walk in the the Total Wine or Liquor Barn, or whatever, and you see all those cans, and you just you're looking for one that catches your eye. But like, it's most likely someone's got something invested in that. Mm-hmm. Someone's got some some money and time and 
stress and anxiety. And, you know, there's, there's people behind that. And I think that's, it's just fun to remember that from time to time. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's yeah. fantastic. Sure. And yeah, an iconic, iconic can. I think you guys made yeah. the right decision because uh, I, I love the Toasted yeah, Brown. Cool. They're, they're sharp. Be careful. Yeah. But, um, the, the investment was ultimately worth it, though. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. But it's cool. They send you home with a packet yeah. of. It's, yeah. It, it's yeah. These are cool. Yeah. They, they're. Aluminum. Was this the green? Oh, yeah. That was right. Okay. <laughs> you, know, you, got, you got a little you got a Louisville skyline there. You got, a, you got a little Flood Liars Club up here, you know. I'm a fan of the yellow. Yeah. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. I, I like it, it. It's I just like funny it. that it wasn't the color we wanted. <laughs> I drank the shit out of that beer and I I still love yeah. that beer. Awesome. I mean, we do like legend collabs with breweries across the city and like we always Sorry. like take a lot of time to like figure out the label and we also still argue about it. And, like, yeah. Because you guys never want to go with my great designs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, and in uh, one in one respect, it doesn't matter at all. But in one respect, like it, it totally matters. Yeah, it does. You know, and so... Just, just respect it. <laughs> respect mm-hmm. the, respect the hustle and the process. And I see one more really cool uh, artifact on the table here. Oh, oh yeah, I, I forgot this. Tell about that one. Um, the, the gentleman's name is escaping me right now, but um, all of the tap handles that Great Flood originally had were made out of concrete. Um, they might still be there. I don't know. But um, so this was the very, very first tap handle um, made of concrete. And I want to say it might have been on like a, a jockey box or something at a festival, nice. and, and it, it just totally snapped right at right at the end of the screw here. But um, I just kept it because that's it, cool, you know. Yeah, it, but the concrete thing—it we were just looking for ways to be a little bit different. Yeah, you know, and, and to- economical. Yeah, totally. Yeah. totally. Super it, cool. It was, it was a local guy. Sorry, I don't remember your name, but I hope you're still out there doing it. And very nice heft as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that might have been part of the problem. But, but, <laughs> I think you're probably right. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, go in there and look next time. They might still be there. Hell we yeah. went to some beer festival and a volunteer was like, poof. I just yeah, like cranked that, that on could it. Be it. Like, I broke concrete. Like, to- totally could be Thanks, it. Shaq. <laughs> thanks for sending me down memory road, though, guys. That yeah. Was, uh, that well, was thank fun. you, Vince. This has been a great conversation. And... Um, I think if people want to learn more about what you're doing now uh, with Right Mind, where can they find you? Uh, my website will be up soon, rightmindky.com. Uh, or you can email me, find me on LinkedIn, whatever. I'm, I'm available. I'm Hell reachable. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just out here trying to help people, man. Well, Alex, do you have anything to plug? Um, maybe two things. One, I'm like 90% sure one of these two gentlemen are my great-grandfather. Nice. No. Yeah. Um, we can talk about that all in the flood book. Yeah, my great grandfather was. So you the, know, it's one of those two guys. You're just not sure which one. Yeah, it's, and the only reason is because I have another picture of this angle, and there's a little kid sitting up in the fire truck, and that was my grandfather. That's awesome. Uh, so that's what, like I was thumbing through because I, I, the minute you said Southern Indiana, I was like, oh, I I might know something about that, and sure enough, um, there's a, a pretty okay spot over on the corner of Barrett and Winter. Y'all should go check it out if you haven't been. You should. Um, they play movies. Music's all right. So. <laughs> the movies are great. Eh? The, the movies the, kick the, ass. The beer's pretty good, too. Demolition Man. Oh, yeah, they do beer. The beer's really good. Yeah. And the, 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 corn, right. the corn ribs and the chicken are also yeah. something not, not, to, uh, not to miss. Yeah. Corn ribs are fucking fire. And if y'all are sleeping on corn ribs, don't <laughs> get them because they're weird. And don't eat the cob. A lot of people are like, oh, yeah, you can. I mean, you can. Yeah. Uh, you can also people, meet the chicken bones. Yeah, you I want. mean, you're right. Exactly. <laughs> Whatever. Like, that's you can. I don't. <laughs> but I'm not going to stop you. You know, that's all I get to plug. John, you got anything? Uh, I guess I'm just going to plug Holy Matrimony. 
uh, not a reality show, but the uh, state of bliss uh, that has been you get promised. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> friends of the show, former guests of the show, uh, Ryan Berg and Haley Peros, two, two, <laughs> two former guests, have entered into what do you, I all they're, they've agreed to enter into a state of holy matrimony at some point in the future, assuming Ryan doesn't fuck it up. It, so it, good, good job, Ryan. Good job, Haley. Congrats. Former guest of the show. Did did it happen because they were both on this podcast? Yes. Yeah. I'm yes. going to go with yes. 100%. I'm going to go yeah. with yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's why everybody who hasn't been on this podcast is still is painfully married. single. And they're, they're like using that fucking website. Yeah. Yeah. Move. Yeah. The whatever. <laughs> yeah, that one. That one. <laughs> they're just milking cows in VR. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking off. Right. Yeah. Kids these days. I'm Gen Z. Like a VR uh, lactating. <laughs> <laughs> no. VR lactating. VR lactating. Yeah. I almost forgot we were talking about that. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that back up. Mm-hmm. Can I say one last serious thing? Yeah, of course. Um, I just, for anybody who's listening this far into this podcast, who might have been part of the beer community in any way, whether it was while I was in it, before I was in it, after I was in it, um, here in Louisville, it, I, I just, just a genuine thank you for the work that you do. It's a, it can often be a thankless job. It can often be a ton of work. Um, it can often just be taxing in so many mental, physical, emotional ways. And, um, a lot of people have done a lot of things to make this community happen, including, including you guys here. And I I just genuinely thank you for letting me be a part of that for, for a few years and continue to be a part of it in my consumer way. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it is really cool to see what the last 10 years has held and, and you know what the next, the next 10 is probably going to hold. So thanks for, you know, letting me be here and talk about that. Here, here. Yeah. Of course. What you got, David? I'm going to plug, um, so if, you, if you've been listening, the White Labs podcast where we tasted different yeast across the same batch. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to play Humbering um, uh, as someone who's tasted many thousand beers um, and had various notes and significant factors about some of them and none of them for others. But <laughs> <laughs> I just want to explore that side of things. Um the idea that I can make a split batch and like move these things between different E strains and like kind of analyze the differences. Uh, it, it brings a layer of curiosity into beer tasting on a whole. So I'm, yeah. I'm pretty interested in like visiting that. It's kind of like cooking. Like you can go to fancy restaurants all day and like, you know, have your opinions about the dishes. Uh, but if you really want to like build your palate and like, you don't necessarily have to want to become a chef like you shouldn't opening a brewery is a lot of work and whatever. Um, but doing it at home, like playing around with those ingredients, you learn so much and you build it. It, it completely changes the way that you think about what you think about when you taste a beer Because, like, yeah, like you said, that thing in white labs was fucking cool. Have you homebrewed? Were yeah. you a homebrewer? Okay. I, I don't know. I've dabbled. Times. Yeah, I've dabbled. <laughs> I, I knew enough to know that I wasn't good enough to. David? Like, David? Was, not with that not, attitude. Not yet. Oh, not yet. Oh. Anyways, thank you guys for. Your, your mood ring just gave you a boost of dopamine to help. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm yeah. great, yeah. dude. So, <laughs> I closed out the episode. So, I'm Vince, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Michael Muller, aka Alex Vo <laughs> from Riot Brewing. Thank you. Thank you for stepping in. We appreciate all of you, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.